Good morning, everybody out there in WKXL Radio Land. This is Jane Cormier, your host for Artful Living, here on WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, and 101.9 FM in Manchester. Well, if you are hearing us today, you have a very special treat in store, because today, Artful Living here at WKXL is going to try its very first radio theater play. So for those that don't know what we're talking about, which is probably most of you, um, we have a group of players from the Pittsfield Players that are going to try to get together monthly and perform a play live here on Artful Living. And so we're going to actually try to bring together radio theater, live radio theater, which is going to be very cool. And at the same time, we have no idea how this is going to work. So you're with us on the opening on the opening of this experiment, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, so we have actually a group of people. We're using both studios. If you could see us in here, you would laugh because we're very spread out. We all have our little scripts. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit in the first segment. And then we're going to do, in the second segment, part of the play. Then we'll take a little break because, you know, we have to get those commercials in. And then we will finish up the play because the play is only like 12 minutes. Uh, and come back and talk with our players afterward and see see what we think about what we did. Because this is going to be, like I said, brand new. This is a new little invention. So I'm really kind of excited. Uh, let's let's introduce our play first, which is called The Game, and it's a morality play in one act. We'll talk a little bit about that when we, when we begin. And uh, we have Kathy Kelly, who is with us. She's going to be the character of life. We have Ben. Ben, can you hear me? Yes. What's your last name? L-E-P- A-G-E, LePage. This is a blank moment. This is live theater, right? So I just forgot his last name, folks. I'm not lying to you. So Ben LePage is death. And we have Luca E. Pellegrini. Pellegrini? Pellegrini. Oh, it is Eni. Okay. E. Pellegrini, who is our youth in the game. And to make this even more exciting, the girl is going to be played by moi because we need a girl. And I'm literally going to be doing this on the fly. So like I said, this is going to be fun. It really is. And let me remind you, if you at any time have a comment that you want to send, what, New Hampshire Talk, nhtalkradio.com, right? Let us know what you think. All right. At any time, send us a comment. Let us know what you think. Maybe you have an idea. Maybe you have a suggestion. Maybe you have a play that you would like to bring forth. We want to hear from you. So remember, this is all an experiment. All right, guys. So now here we go. Kathy Kelly, Ben LePage, Luca E. Pellegrini. Luca J. Pellegrini. How come I have an E here? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but it's J for Yeah, you've got to think about that. Okay, all right. So I'm sorry. Luca J. Pellegrini. And if I had a pen right here, I'd switch it. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about our play, the game. All right. So let's start with Ben. Let's start with you. Yeah. Now, you are death. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about your character. He's sly. Ooh. He's not meant to be the traditional uh, visage of death. He's supposed to be somebody you can trust. And that's why you'd trust somebody that you'd think 
is out to help you, but after all, you know, your greatest friends could be your greatest enemies. Okay, so so you're saying your death, is your death a trickster? Kind of. Okay. He's cool. in between everything. He li- he likes the the playful neutral so that he can just get his point across. There you go. There you go. Always has a point of view to get across. Absolutely. So <laughs> the the really cool thing about death and and really the really cool thing about any great theater or any good drama is that the actor has the right within, you know, the directorial, I guess, uh, circle to come up with their own little uh, being. And so this is cool to know this is where your death is. He's this kind of sardonic. Um, you said sly, sly guy. He's a representative persona of uh, basically the thought of what William Defoe, if he was like a mm. wizard, and he was telling you how he really felt, but you didn't know because he's wearing another skin or something. Wow, William Defoe, we're getting deep here. Okay, I just Very like good. him personally. He's a good actor in that. Oh, he's uh, excellent. Understated method. He he leaves you thinking about things. He certainly does. He's a great actor. He's one of the greats that we have, you know, to have today. All right, so we have death. Now let's go to life, which is the counter of death, of course. And Kathy Kelly, you are our life character. Tell us a little bit about your character. I am. Life is fun and wants to win and wants everyone to be just easygoing and happy to be alive and just keep living. All right. So all the good, upbeat things. Uh, is, is your life a trickster at all? <coughs> she may deviate from the truth to get what she wants. Okay. There it is. Okay. So uh, now we have life. We have death. And now we have youth. It probably one of the most, I think, really the most uh, thoughtful character in this play is the youth, I think. So, Luca J. Pellegrini, tell us a little bit about your youth. Oh, he's a giant wimp. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. You just killed me. <laughs> I don't think he's a wimp. Okay, well, tell well, us why you say that. So, you know, he's young. I mean, it's in the name, youth, and he's very talented. <laughs> That's deep. He, he is, he's very talented. He's very good. He's very thoughtful. But because he has all these good things about him, because he's made it so far in life so young, he thinks he knows everything. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. And it's the first sight of his world getting shattered drives him to suicide. So, I mean, yeah, maybe a wimp isn't the right term to use. Youth. But He's young. Yeah, he, he's young. He's got... A lot to learn, and he doesn't realize that he has a lot to learn. He thinks he knows everything, and uh, he needs to be taken down a peg. Yes. Okay. Well, so we have life and death in one corner, and then we have youth and the girl, who is this other character that I'm going to be reading tonight, or today, I should say. And uh, this this girl is the antithesis of the youth, right? Kind of like life and death, and then we have youth and the girl. And in a lot of ways, even though the girl is very young and very innocent, the counterpoint that she offers youth, the youth, uh, is really central to how this play works. It's a little puzzle. And each piece comes together and forms the picture that hopefully we will be able to uh, transmit to our audience, our listening audience. Now, does anybody out there know what a morality play is? Any of you guys know what that is? No. No? No. All right, so I guess a, a morality play is important. You know, they're very historic. They go all the way back to, like, the beginning of civilization. It's basically a dramatic allegory, and they used to be always about God. 
right? It started out as a God thing. Um, but historically in drama, uh, you know, morality plays were really important in the development of, of plays that we now, you know, call classics. Um, and they survived through Reformation. They, they survived through all of these, you know, times and periods of history, um, but always allegorical in nature, good against evil, um, right against wrong. And this play here was written in 1916 at a time when uh, morality plays were really, especially on the radio, um, were very common. And they were thoughtful ways to bring up topics that would make people think. Uh, I am not so sure that they had it wrong. Um, we still have morality plays in modern culture, and we see them in, sometimes in shows that are kind of weird, where they, they would have like a, um, not a hero, right, as the head of the show, but as someone that, that is, makes you think about the morality of the situation. Um, you know, that's kind of how we've morphed morality plays. But the morality plays were big allegorical topics that you got to play in a dramatic way that brought thought and hopefully a good experience to the listener or the watcher on stage. So this morality play of the game is really um, death and life sort of having a competition on who is going to lay claim to who. All right. And when it opens up at the uh, very beginning of the play, we have this. I'll read to you what it says. It says, at the rise... Death is lying on the ground at left, idly flipping dice. Now and then he glances sardonically at life, who is standing at the extreme right and counting aloud. So as, as they're rolling the dice and life is counting, <clears throat> counting the dice, um, they're playing on who's winning who, who's winning who and who's winning what in, in, as, part as, as, as part of like human beings living or dying. Yeah, kind of weird, right? But, um, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. I should say this play is written by Louise Bryant, and, and it played in New York in 1916. It's now public domain because it's, you know, so old now they could play without uh, royalties or anything like that. But um, we're going to start... <clears throat> we're going to start this... I think we should start it at the second segment, shouldn't we, Catherine? Catherine is our uh, gal here. She's trying to put all of this together because don't forget, we not only have to time the play out, we have to make sure commercials get put in and that all of the, uh, the music, right, the uh, prompt music is appropriate as well. So, uh, and you guys have anything you want to add? We have a couple minutes. Do you anything want to add to the game? I have something to add. Um, last time I was here, I talked about my family history and I said... The uh, patriarch in my family was Louis Giuseppe Pellegrini. It was actually Luigi Giuseppe Pellegrini. Just wanted to clear that up. Not really? Louis, Luigi. Don't Luigi. forget it. Louis <laughs> and Luigi. Okay, so it's Luigi. We we got to remember this weird stuff with Luca J. Pellegrini. Okay, and uh, I hear the music, so we're going to take a little break here. WKXL, New Hampshire Talk Radio.com. And when we come back, we are going to begin our play, The Game. A morality play in one act. So stay with us, okay? Hang tight. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You are with Artful Living here on WKXL, 
NewHampshireTalkRadio.com. And if you are just joining us, you are in time because we will be premiering WKXL Radio Theater. We are going to be performing The Game, a morality play in one act by Louise Bryant. We will introduce our characters, Life, Kathy Kelly, Death, Benjamin LePage, Youth, Luca J. Pellegrini, The Girl, Jane Cormier. At the rise, Death is lying on the ground at left, idly flipping dice. Now and then he glances sardonically at Life, who is standing at the extreme right and counting aloud. 50,000, 51, 65, 90. Come, come, Life. Forget your losses. It's no fun playing with a dull partner. I had hoped for a good game tonight, although there is little in it for me. Just a couple of suicides. My dear Death, I wish you would grant me a favor. A favor? A favor? Now, isn't that just like a woman? I never saw one yet who is willing to abide by the results of a fair game. But I want these two, whether I win or lose. I really must have them. They are geniuses, and you know how badly I am in need of geniuses right now. Ungrateful, spoiled children. They always want to commit suicide over their first disappointments. How many times must I tell you that the game must be played? It's the law. You know it as well as I do. Oh, the law. Laws are always in your favor, Death. There you are. I always said the universe would be in a wild state of disorder if the women had any say. No, you must play the game. Who ever said anything about not playing? All I want is your consent to let them meet here before the game begins. I'll bet this isn't so innocent as it sounds. Who are they? I haven't paid much attention to the case. Youth and the girl. He is a poet, and she is a dancer. A strong man, and a beautiful woman. (laughs) Up to the same old tricks, eh? You sly thing, you think if they meet, they'll fall in love and cheat me. Well, suppose I consent. What will you give? I'll give Kaiser Wilhelm, the Tsar of Russia, George of England, and old Francis Joseph. That's two to one. Now that's dishonest. You're always trying to unload a lot of monarchs on me when you know I don't want them. Why, when you play for them, you almost go to sleep and I always win. No bargaining in kings, my dear. I'll give you a whole regiment of soldiers. Soldiers? What do you care about soldiers? Look at your figures again. You've been losing millions of soldiers in Europe for the past two years. And you're more excited about two rattle-patted young idiots. Your idea of a fair trade is to get something for nothing. You love too much. With such covetousness, how can you ever know the thrill of chance? Oh, I'll give you anything. Shh, too late. Here's one of them. Youth! You've tricked me. You were only playing for time. Come, sister, be game. All's fair in everything but the dice. And just think, if you win this cast, the other is half won. They'll meet then. Who are you? I am life. Oh, I am through with you. I want none of you. And who are you? 
I am death. Death? How different from my dream of you. I thought you were somber, austere, and instead you're, if I may say so, just a trifle commonplace. I'm not as young as I once was, one's figure, you know. Ah! Look at her. A pleasing exterior, eh? And yet you wouldn't be seeking me if you didn't know better. Alas, my boy, beauty is not even skin deep. That is true. Ah, death. I have been seeking you for weeks. Yet I am always present. Where did you seek me? I tried to shoot myself. But the gun wouldn't go off. I tried poison, but they snatched it from me. Well-meaning idiots. So I came here to leap into the sea. Very good. Only hurry. Someone might come. Why do you wish to die? As if you don't know. Did you not give me the power to string beautiful words into songs? Did you not give me love to sing and to take love away? I cannot sing anymore. And yet, you ask me why I want to die? I am not a slave. Slaves just live to eat and be clothed. You have plenty of them. Yes, I have plenty of them. If I cannot have love to warm me, I cannot create beauty. And if I cannot create beauty, I will not live. Are you sure it was love? I think it was only desire I gave you. You did not seem ready for love. Falsehoods! Evasions! What is love, then? You gave me a girl who sold flowers on the street. She had hair like gold and a body all curves and rose white like marble. I sang my songs for her. And the whole world listened. Then an ugly beast came and offered her gold. And she laughed at me and went away. (laughs) That is love, my boy. You were lucky to find out so young. Now I know it was desire. Why will she persist in lying? I am a sport and a gentleman, and I must admit that life is as truthful as I am. Listen, youth, answer me. Did your sweetheart understand your songs? Why should she? Women do not have to understand. They must be fragrant and beautiful, like flowers. And is that all? I I do not know many women. I will show you one who understands your songs. She's coming here. To leap into the sea like you. Because she is lonely, waiting for you. For me? But I do not know her. But she knows you. Through your songs. You have been seeking me for weeks. Are you to be fooled again by this tricky charlatan? You, who have had enough of life. There is no place for cowards among the lofty dead. Oh, death, forgive me. Life, farewell. Hold! We must play first. So now it is you who are asking me to play? Come, life. Do me a favor. Give me this one and the girl shall be yours. No. The game must be played. It is the law. (laughs) 
Well, we're going to be taking a break here, a little commercial break, and coming back with the second half of our morality play, The Game, here on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, and 101.9 FM in Manchester. Stay right where you are. Welcome back to Artful Living here on WKXL, NewHampshireTalkRadio.com, WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, and 101.9 FM in Manchester. If you are just joining us, you are going to hear the second part of our radio theater performance of, quote, The Game by Louise Bryant, and this to set up, we have life and death, having a discussion about saving a youth and a girl in this one-act morality play. We ended our first section with death and life, deciding that they must play the game together, the game of life and death, because it is the law. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, I have won! Then I am to live in spite of myself. Death, I have lost you. Life, I hate you. Without love, you are crueler than death. Soon the girl will be here. Then you will think me beautiful. That's the comedy of it. You probably will, you know. Promises, promises. Love comes but once. Who are you? I am life. Oh, life, dear. I must leave you. I cannot bear you any longer. You are so white and so cold. What have you to complain of? Have I not given you fame and worship and wealth? What are all these without love? What? You without love? How about those who stand at the stage door every evening and send you flowers and jewels? One of them shot himself because you stamped on his flowers. Believe me, my dear, that is all the love there is. Love? No. That was desire. Ah, desire when they seek you. Love when you seek them. No, no, no. Love understands. They didn't. They wanted to buy me in order to destroy me. That is why I stamped on their flowers. Ah, the young, incurably sentimental. Good. I'm glad you did. Why? Who are you? I am youth. Youth? The poet? You? Oh, I know all your songs by heart. I have kissed every line. Always when I dance, I try to dance to them. But... Why are you here? He came to throw himself into the sea. No! You must not! What would the poor world do without your poor, your your beautiful songs? Do not be afraid, my dear. I have won. Alas. 
Why do you want to die? His sweetheart left him. His sweetheart? So he loves somebody? I don't believe you. How could any woman he loved when he sings so sweetly? His songs meant nothing to her. Nothing? Oh, then she was not worth your love. She was like the men who wait for me at the stage door. She wanted to destroy you. Such is life, my dear young lady. Love is the destroyer always. You are right. It is all a myth. Life, love, happiness. I must idolize someone, something, and then the bubble bursts and I am alone? No. If she could not understand, no one could understand. Oh, how wrong you are. I understand. Don't you believe me? I have danced all you have sung. Do you remember the bird calls? How beautiful. You, you do understand. You do. Wings flash and soar when you dance. You skim the seas gloriously, lifting your quivering, feathery breasts against the sunny wind. Da dance again for me. Dance my cloud flight. The loveliest of all. But I can never dance for you anymore. I came here to die. And you'd forgotten it already. Oh, you're all alike, you suicides. Life's shallowest little deceit fools you again. Though you have seen through her and know her for what she is. But I have found youth. Yes, and youth has found love. Real love at last. Love that burns like fire and flowers like the trees. You shall not die. And I will fight you for her. Love is stronger than death. Than life, you mean. Think of the great lovers of the world, Paola and Francesca, Romeo and Juliet, Tristan and Isolde. I, I claim them all. Who are you to set yourself up against such august precedents? You think he loves you. It is not you he loves, but your dancing of his songs. He is a poet. Therefore, he loves only himself and his sweetheart, for lack of whom he was going to die. See, he has already forgotten her, as you will one day be forgotten. Why ask too much of me? I can only give happiness for a moment, but it is real happiness, love, creation, unity, with the tremendous rhythm of the universe. I can't promise it will endure. I won't say you will not someday be forgotten. What if it is himself he loves in you? That too is love. To be supremely happy for a moment, an hour, that is worth living for. Life offers you many things, I but one. She pours out the sunshine before you to make you glad. She sends the winter to chew your heart. She gives you love and desire and takes them away. She brings you warm quietness and kills it with hunger and anxiety. Life offers you many things, I but one. Come closer, tired heart, and hold out your weary hands. See what a pearl I offer to kings and beggars alike. Come. I will give you peace. Peace? 
Do you think I want peace? I, a dancer, a child of the whirling winds? Do you think I would be blind to the sunlight, deaf to youth's music, to my sweet applause, dumb to laughter? All this joy that is in me scattered in darkness, dust in my hair, in my eyes, on my dancing feet. And yet, and yet life is so cruel. My dearest, we will never leave one another. She is mine! Haven't you forgotten something? The game? It is half one. She too has found love. Ah! But in willing to die, she laid her life on the knees of the fates. So we must play for her. It is the law. <laughs> I am not afraid to play. This time I have you, Death. <laughs> have me! <laughs> Nay, life. I am cleverer than you. On this game hangs the doom of both. Both? Of both? You lie, Death. I have already won youth. He cannot die. Youth cannot die, you say. True, but the girl dies if I win. Isn't that so? Well, and if she dies, what then? He loves her, yet he cannot follow. Nay, he shall live, forever mute, forever regretting his lost love, until you yourself will beg me to take him. Oh, death, I beg of you. Oh, life on her knees to death. No, sister, I couldn't help you if I would. It is the law. Let us play. It is the law. Oh, I have won again! Yes, curse the luck. But someday we'll play for those two again, and then it will be my turn. Yes, but we will have lived. Until then, death, you are powerless. I fear you not and I will guard her from you. Geniuses, geniuses. How brave, how strong, how beautiful is my lover. Well, it was a good game after all. You see, that's the difference between you and me. You play to win, and I play for the fun of the thing. <laughs> but tell me, life, why is it you make such a fuss over dreamers and care so little for soldiers? Soldiers don't matter one way or another to me, but someday the dreamers will chain you to the earth, and I will have the game all my way. That remains to be seen, but how about kings? Kings are my enemies. Do you remember how careless I was during the French Revolution? I've always had it in my conscience, and I think I'd feel better if I told you. Whenever I threw a good combination, I... I juggled the dice. I'm not surprised. Heavens aren't women unscrupulous, and yet they call me unfair. Well, I suppose I've got to keep an eye on you. I warn you, I will stop at nothing. By the way, what's the game tomorrow night? A plague. And in that game, I regret to say you haven't a chance in the world. Ah, uh, don't forget. I have science to help me. Science? Bah, a fool's toy. I sweep them all together in my net. The men of learning and the ones they try to cure. But remember that the sun, the blessed healing sun, still rises every morning. Oh, don't remind me of the sun. Two hundred thousand. Seventy-five. Three hundred and ten. 
I must never let him know how much I mind losing soldiers. They are the flower of youth. There are dreamers among them. The end. Stay with us here on WKXL Radio Theater. The game. WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, and 101.9 FM in Manchester. We will be right back. Hello again, everyone out there in WKXL Radio Land. So if you were with us in the first three segments, you were able to join us on our very first uh, radio theater production here on WKXL called The Game, which was a one-act morality play. And we had Kathy Kelly. We had Ben LePage. We had Luca Pellegrini and myself, Jane Cormier. Uh, here on Artful Living, offering this first production. I thought it went pretty well, pretty smooth, considering trying to put all these pieces together. We did it pretty much in one take, which is great, great work, guys. Good job. What would you guys think? So fun. Amazing. It was, It was. yeah. It is fun, isn't it? I threw yeah. the dice at them. Oh. <laughs> we it heard it. Accident. It was an accident. I'm not... I'm not volitious. No, no. Volitious, you mean vicious? Vicious, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was what I, I there said. There you go. That. That's okay. It's, it's still a V word. Um, okay, so you know what I really liked about this was, and in general, why I like this radio theater thing, having been someone that performed big scale stuff, right? Opera singer for most of my life, uh, done a lot of theater as well. But I really do enjoy, now that I'm getting a little bit older, uh, the vocal theater, right? That happens. When you do radio theater, very cool, very different, different skill set, you know, than when, <clears throat> excuse me, than when you're on stage and you have to play big uh, on stage. So um, did you guys notice any difference in the scale of what you were trying to do as an actor as opposed to what you do on the stage to what you're doing on the radio? Why don't we start, Kathy? Why don't you tell us? Yeah, I found it very interesting because I would notice I have a little bit of a cold today, and I would notice when my voice would go really low, and <laughs> then I'd I'd think of it and I'd go back up high, and I thought, oh, I get to figure out how to keep it yeah all the same, and it was just very interesting thinking about slowing down and diction and loudness and closeness to the mic. There's just a whole lot of different um, things that will make it better as we go along yes absolutely whole different skill set and what's really cool is you know when you're on stage for anybody that's been out there performing you do know that um the better you are on stage the better performer you are the more skilled you are on many different levels right performing is never a one level thing you're at one point projecting a character with all the lines and the actions but if you're really good you're also paying paying attention to the audience and you're gauging where you're losing them so that if you start to feel like you're losing the audience and you can feel it if you're a good actress a performer you can actually be in a house of 4,000 seats and feel when you're losing the audience I felt it myself and you can usually fix it if you feel that um Again, that's an entirely different gauge. But this, with just the vocal acting, 
takes that all away and allows you to really focus on a very small part uh, of the acting on stage, and that is the the vocal and the verbal things. Very different. Ben, how did you feel about that? I felt great because I get to tap into that nice little center of insidiousness. You like that part, huh? Well, it reminds me of being uh, Spider, the uh, the pimp. And I was a priest, so I made up for it. It was a duality of things. Um, but it was it was one of the first plays that I was really in. And so wow. it's, it's nice to be the evil character. I mean, I always wanted to be, you know, I, I want to be the, the good guy. I want to be the Iron Giant. I want to be, you know. Well, I think maybe we have to work to. on that for the next play. We have to get you either into a, you know, well, a, a hero role or a, a ca- how about a comedy? Let's just do the Iron Giant. I've said it three times now. Let's just do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the original book is in public domain. I might be wrong. <laughs> the Iron Giant. You got to get it to me so I can read it, because we don't allow you anything stay, but good theater. I go no following, and then everybody cries. Oh my gosh. Okay, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, who said it had to be normal? Okay, true, true. But we are trying to build something here. Yes. Um, and, and all joking aside, you know, I really would love to see. Uh, a really strong program here on WKXL where we have a monthly or maybe twice a month if we could get enough people interested to do real radio theater with sound effects. Uh, you know, we'd have to try to modify, I think, the the uh, commercial things, right? Trying to make that work dramatically. But um, how did you like it, Luca? You're, you're a very, uh, on stage, you're a very flamboyant character. You are, you're very... Um, you don't have a whole lot of fear. And so this is really different because you've had to scale down. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was um, a piece of direction you gave me is that for one line, I had to be smiling while I said it to really show the the character of it. And, and that's the thing is, you know, acting, you know, you need your voice and also your your body to use. And this time I wasn't using I didn't need to use my body, but I was still making sure I was using my body yes. to properly you know, express myself. I mean, like my paper, I was gripping onto it like I was gripping onto the shoulders of uh, the girl as how I was writing the line because uh-huh. I read it at one line um, that he's grabbing onto her shoulders to let him know that like he loves her. And I, I needed that to push myself. Sure. So I was still using a lot of those flamboyant tendencies e- even here, um, but I was really, I wasn't using all of that energy out of my body. I was... It was sort of like I was gathering up that energy to throw it out of my throat. Okay, and and there it is. And that's why I say this is a, for me, this is exciting for me because it's a counter to everything that I studied so hard for, for, you know, how many years that I studied, because you do have to have it inside. The one thing that I do um, think that's really cool about radio theater is, and I'm just discovering this, right? It's not like I'm an old pro here, guys, right? But... What I am discovering is that the color of the voice, because you can take time to think about it and focus on it a lot more, uh, if it's precipitated amply by the thought of the emotion before the voice goes, you can color it any way you want. You can color it any way you want. And I'll bet, depending on how good you get, you could get real subtle with it. More than just a smile. You know, even more than that, right? But we start somewhere. Um, I find that really cool, and I'm kind of fascinated to see uh, what we can make with that going forward. So so do you guys think that uh, this is something you'd want to be doing in the future? Absolutely. 
Oh, yeah, you'll be seeing me around. Don't worry. We have to have folks call us in. I, You know what? You have to tell all your friends, anybody out there listening today, you have to let folks know that we are doing this because this is very cool. This is a really, really different kind of way to be active right here on WKXL on the airwaves and offer something that is worthy, artful. It adds grace to our life. I mean, this is good. We'll, we'll do some great plays. And are you really serious about this play you're talking about, Ben? Yeah. Uh, what? Who wrote it? Tell me about it. Which one? Uh, the the one Iron. The first? Iron oh. something. <laughs> what is it's, that? It's a book and it's a movie. So a lot of it has to do with this kid Hogarth, and he is with his mom, and he doesn't have a father, which I think is pivotal in the whole story because it really shows you a different perspective of the 1950s, which is the timeline that they have it represented in. And so I, I just like it because it has this. Americana value plus you get a whole nother world. It's not like you're standing on Earth. He literally looks to the stars and wonders if there's something better than the things that he's got going on around him. And all of a sudden, an iron giant out of nowhere. And the best part that I didn't figure out until I was 21, <laughs> Vin Diesel is the iron giant. Oh my god! You gosh. can't make it up. That man, the chiseled chin, the fast and the furious, and he still is faster when he's an iron giant that loves a young boy named Hogarth in the best ways. Hogarth. That his mind is as young as Hogarth's is. He's learning about life. He doesn't know what it is to represent hatred and that's something you learn about through the story that he doesn't know anything and he garners all of his thoughts and beliefs based on what he sees and visualizes which is really really communicatable to people who don't feel like they get to express what they see all the time that might be bad okay so this is pretty cool so um uh, this is a book you said it's a book and a movie. Well, it the book might... is very different from the movie. I just want okay, to okay, but that. the thing is, is if it's 1950s, it's probably not public domain. Yeah, we still got like 20 years. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> so we have to try to find material that's public domain, and I kind of like that because you know what? We're going to be digging out some jewels and stuff that has. Shakespeare. Yeah, Shakespeare definitely. Except that it's so long. There's really nothing short. I would love to do some Shakespeare. Shakespeare might be the end of the project. Maybe we could. Do a real, real one near the end of the year of a full Shakespearean play. What was the one with Lomax? Henry, Henry, or Harry Lomax? Um, is that Death of a Salesman? Yes. Yes. We can't do. Is that in the public domain? No. Okay. I'm no. Sorry. That's not. But you know what? There is one that I'm going to check on. I think is very close. A. A. Milne, who is Winnie the Pooh fame. Yeah. You guys would not believe what a wonderful wit. Sardonic wit this guy has. Brilliant comedian. And he has a very small play uh, called The Ugly Duckling. <laughs> it's very sophisticated. Believe it or not, you know, Winnie the Pooh, you'd think, you know, no, wicked sophisticated, but funny. It's one of the funniest little plays. It would be perfect for us, <clears throat> excuse me, to do. I find it impossible to argue that Winnie the Pooh isn't very constructive and really formulates <laughs> a lot of critical theory and thought because the way he projects himself, he's carefree. Yes. And he doesn't have to worry. He's almost like Diogenes. He's almost exactly like that, yes. that freedom. But that's just my opinion. Well, you know what? The truth is, is I totally agree with you, but that's on a very deep level, right? Yeah. Um, of course, good old Eeyore is what we're seeing mostly these days. So, you know, we'll go on that discussion later. But Catherine says it's public domain. The Ugly Duckling by A.A. A. Milne. Oh, my goodness. Maybe that's the one we got to do, guys. I got to get have, you it. I have the script at home. I think that's a great idea. I like yeah. I like that you 
trying to I don't I don't know who Louise Bryan is and this kind of came out of left field and it was really it's just pretty. That, yeah. Like, it's kind of Tin Pan Alley-ish, right? Yes. Yeah. So, Definitely. I mean, there's, there's got to be a million others we could There do, are a million. Like, and some you, of Edgar Allan Poe's stuff. Yes. Yeah. One Act stuff. Absolutely. If that was public domain, we could do that in October. What do you think, Kathy Kelly? Yes, I think that's a wonderful idea. I'm really excited about all these. I I loved it as a kid, and uh, to think that we're kind of going back to before yes. TV. Yes, I love that. So what do you think out there in uh, Radioland? Be part of this discussion. Get on nhtalkradio.com and let us know what you think. WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, Concord, and 101.9 FM in Manchester. This is Art for Living, your host today. And uh, we want to thank Kathy Kelly, Ben LePage, Luca Pellegrini for joining us today to do the game. And we will get another one ready for you for down the line. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.